Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the one of the most underutilized accounts that creates quite a bit of flexibility in just in, in finances and just in life, I think, in general. So, yeah, it's a, it, it, this week, it's not necessarily like one account, but it's kind of like a, it can be used a couple different ways and it's, it, it's the same general structure. There's a bunch of things that can be put inside of it. Yeah. So before we dive into that here, uh, what are you drinking today, Alex? Uh, today I am drinking uh, Lucille. It's uh, Northwest IPA from Georgetown here in Seattle. Uh, clocks in at 7% uh, with 85 IBUs. Uh, it is just exactly what a Northwest IPA is supposed to be. This is a delicious beer. Yeah, Lucille's one of my favorite IPAs. That's that's got to be up there. So um, I, I'm actually a little bit jealous. I am going to drink. <laughs> this is good too. I'm drinking Hop Valley uh, Brewing Company. It's called Stash Panda. Uh, the the can, the color can, and the the name of it actually got my attention. It is uh, it's cryo hopped. It's a hazy IPA. It looks like it clocks in at a six and a half percent alcohol and a fifty IBUs. Nice. Uh, you said Hop Valley? Hop Valley, yeah. Uh, it's a good brewery. Yep. So I'm a big fan of that one. So that's what I'm drinking. Let, let's dive into the, the topic here. Um, this, look, I think most people, let's just call it what it is. Most people, they have two really style of an accounts. They've got their emergency fund and then they have their retirement accounts, right? They've, that's their two buckets of money. Now, the retirement accounts might have some Roth in there, right? But in the end, it's it's the retirement accounts. And the one thing we all can count on is stuff coming up, right? Both good and bad. And what's interesting around a lot of people that we talk to, their finances really are in a way where they've got the the short-term bucket for today or that emergency fund type of aspect where they need to like buy a new car, buy a new fridge. Uh, And then they've got the retirement account aspect where they're planning for their future 30 years from now. It's the barbell effect. They've got the short term figured out and they've got the long term figured out. And uh, there's this stuff in the middle that, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with that if and when it comes up. Yep. And what they don't have is kind of that, that midterm, that middle bucket, that is there for a bunch of different reasons. And I'll just call it life because we don't know what that reason might be. Might be buying into a company, might be starting your own company, might be buying real estate. It might be something negative, like who knows what it might be. It's a bucket of money that we never know that we might need. And it's normally a set amount, typically higher than, you know, say your emergency fund. Yeah. I would, when we talk about an emergency reserve fund, usually we're talking about some amount of like dollars just sitting in cash in a bank at the money market uh, or in a money market or a CD or savings, um, those types of things. And like typically it's no more than one year. And oftentimes it's even less than that. Um, in an ideal world, we've got one year worth of, of income or expenses that are totally outside of like any type of fluctuation. Um and this, this is really designed for like the stuff beyond that. So call it, you know, one year to whatever like retirement is 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years off. 
what fits in that middle gap where we want to get some rate of return, but we want to have access and we don't want to have maybe as much volatility as our retirement accounts. Yeah, so there's three main characteristics that that you and I tend to talk into with this midterm type of bucket uh, that creates that flexibility. Uh, The first characteristic that you just brought up was liquidity, right? Like you have to be able to access this without high taxes and penalties. Otherwise, it is not the most liquid account. And it needs to be liquid for that time. Like you normally don't plan for the event of, you know, buying real estate, like pulling the trigger in like 08, for example, right? Like, oh, big downturn. I want to take advantage of this. Let's go buy real estate. Like you couldn't plan for that, at least not to my knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And the only way you could plan for it was to be able to have this type of an account that is liquid so that when the opportunity presented itself, you're already set up, ready, there, ready and waiting for it. Yep. And the, the whole goal, as you were pointing out, is to not just having it sitting idle in cash. Like it, it's hilarious. One of the things we talk about with folks is like this idea of having this emergency reserve and people are like, oh, well, yeah, but I don't want to get zero point nothing on in terms of the rate of return. Heck, you and I have used the term zero point nothing quite a bit in terms of talking about this. And so what we're talking about here is having the dollars get a little bit of a rate of return still having that liquidity and you mentioned tax benefits and the third component is we typically want it to be less risky, less aggressive. Now, and so much of it depends on like, okay, are we talking about like two to five years? Or are we talking about like 15 to 25 years? Cause those are probably going to have different profiles, different risk tolerances. Like we're going to ha- we use different vehicles for those. Yeah, so this you might have maybe one or you might have more than one account that is a flexible account, right? Because maybe you've got the account that is for like the, the next 10-year account and then you've got the account that maybe for the following 20 or the following 10, so a 20-year type of time horizon. But these three characteristics, right? We're talking about liquidity, we're talking about tax benefits, and we're talking about risk profile, typically a lesser risk profile. What, what type of an account would match those three characteristics, Alex? Yeah. And so the, the main type of account that we're talking about here is a brokerage account. Um, and don't get hung up on the exact name. Sometimes they're called joint. Sometimes they're called TODs. They can be advisory accounts. Like what we're talking about is just a non-qualified investment account. So it's not like a Roth or a traditional IRA. It's not inside of a 401k or other type of retirement account. It's also not typically sitting inside of a bank. Um, could be. I mean, we, like we could like put like a CD in there, and that like that could be one of the things um, that we hold inside of this. But it is, it's almost like a blank slate. We can hold almost whatever we want inside of these advisory accounts, or yeah, inside d- of these re- brokerage accounts. It breaks down to what risk profile, right? You 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 have and 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 that aspect of it. So, right, all of this is liquid. This money is liquid to you when you need it. The tax benefits, right, could be long-term capital gains, right? You're not paying ordinary income tax rates, and that's depending on how long you hold the investments. It's got to be after. It's got to be longer than 12 months uh, to get the long-term capital gains aspect. And then to Alex's point, where he just brought up the risk profile, maybe it's money markets, maybe it's right. It, it depends on your risk. Maybe it's 60% stocks, 40% bonds, or vice versa. Who knows? 
So yeah. we, we, we start caring a lot more in these accounts about like what we're actually holding. So like more tax favorable vehicles where uh, like there's la- there's more control and like less distributions, things like uh, ETFs as opposed to mutual funds, like, or at least tax sensitive mutual funds. Like these are the types of structures that we typically use in there. Um, and there's, there's other vehicles that we can go ahead and put into this type of a structure um, where we, we might have even better tax advantages to it. Um, but we're, we're typically not talking about things like non-qualified annuities. We're not talking about IRAs. We're not talking about uh, Roth IRAs, things of that nature, because those are all really designed and deemed to be retirement accounts. Yeah, it's it, the the key thing is is you know th- those accounts you just brought up like there's just penalties and higher tax rates that you typically would pay for those type of accounts pulling the money out and if something occurs and you want money you want access it to it quickly and not have to have that type of well let me analyze the the penalty of taking the money out. Well, and if we're talking like we we talked about this being like anywhere from like one to thirty years, right, or, or somewhere in that neighborhood, one to retirement. The first half of that time period, we might really want it to be more fixed, more guaranteed, less like more promise-based assets as opposed to market-based assets. If we're talking about something that's on the second half of that, well, we might want still to have some market-based assets where we're really trying to get a little bit better of a rate of return. It's not a clear cut like, oh, X and Y. Like if it's the first half do X and if it's the second half do Y, no, no, like it's all dependent upon your individual situation. Yep. And then let's talk about another style of an account that we we could utilize for that would match those three characteristics, Alex. Uh, Sure. So there are, uh, there's permanent insurance, full disclosure. If you you have to want to own insurance, insurance is a death benefit Life insurance. Yeah. Life insurance is a death benefit based structure first and foremost. But if you're going to own life insurance, well, then we should, and and we're looking at this midterm bucket, then we should at least explore the possibility of whether a permanent insurance policy makes sense. Uh, The the main upsides are the tax advantages. And then depending upon what type of structure of the policy we're using, how we're funding it and like those tax benefits can become hugely beneficial, especially if you're in higher tax brackets or in a state that has income taxes uh, in addition to the federal. Um, you know, if you're not maxing out your like retirement plans or you're you're you know in a relatively low tax environment, it might not be as tax advantaged. Um, if you don't have consistent income, it might be a little bit more challenging or or, or whatnot to do. Um, what we're trying to do is is provide the pros and cons to this, uh, but the the basic idea and concept is that you wind up picking up some really nice tax advantages, um, and if you're already paying cost of insurance, then it, it can become a really attractive structure and vehicle, depending upon circumstance. Yeah, Alex is talking a little bit into some permanent life insurance policies can have a sub account where you're building an asset called cash value that grows tax deferred. Uh, and you could get access to that money as well, tax-free, if if it's designed appropriately and accessed appropriately. And so you get the life insurance death benefit side, the insurance side, which is first and foremost the main reason to get the life insurance. 
and some of these life insurance policies build an asset and the tax advantages along with that growth, it can be utilized as this midterm kind of flexible bucket if it's designed appropriately and it's a, if it's appropriate for you, the investor and, you know, for your personal finances. So uh, that's just another another account that you could look at and really the the entire picture you need to to really consider is what is it you look like right alex like okay do you have your emergency <laughs> fund set up if you don't have your emergency fund set up like setting up this account is probably not the best idea for you right no. um how much money is going into the retirement accounts like looking at your overall financial picture is important to look at before making this decision but I can promise you this, having flexibility, I've yet to have a client say, Ryan, I want less flexibility. Uh, 100% correct. And it like so much of this is just trying to figure out like, okay, how do we build things going forward? What's the first thing we do? What's the second thing we do? Um, and ultimately, it's going to depend on your unique situation, your goals, your risk tolerance, like your cash flow. Like, all of these things come into play. This there's there is no one size fits all. Whether it's a, a brokerage account, an advisory account, a TOD, uh, you know, a CD, uh, whether it's equity linked or not, um, like there are there's a ton of different things that fall into this category of the midterm bucket. Um, and what and again, permanent insurance is one component or one thing that we need to to look at as a possibility of of whether or not it makes sense. Yep. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is, what accounts are you currently using to provide flexibility for your financial future? So head over to beerandmoney.net and at the top is a contact us page where you can put in the subject line question of the day and answer that question. Or that's a great way to reach out to us if you have questions maybe stemming from this episode. It's a great way to, to reach out to us there. Look, we started this podcast to help you Look at your money differently so that you get to spend and have the freedom to spend more time with your family and less stress about money and enjoy your life. We hope this episode was valuable for you. And Mr. Collins, cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, SIPC. 
Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 15319412. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint Number 2023-158547. Expiration July 2025.